Hey everybody, this is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now for those of you joining us um, for the first time, this has been going for a while, so definitely go check out the other podcast in the feed. And if you haven't seen the, if you haven't listened to the podcast I did on Bubble, we are smack dab in the middle um, of Movie May here on Lunchbox Radio, so definitely go check that one out. Also, go check out the episode before that, the third day episode before that, um, all, all about Pompo the Cinephile, which is probably lesser known than Bubble because it had a limited release, but you can probably go get it digitally for rent or to own right now, and I definitely recommend, I recommend both, but I definitely recommend Cinephile if you're up in the air on which one definitely go see Pompo first but on that note we are diving into something this week that I alluded to last week uh, last the last third day edition of the when I was talking about bubble and that is Shonen Jump movies and the movie we are talking about today the little ditty from 2012 I've got an unnerving amount of research stuff open here for, um, and it's called One Piece Film V. Imagine all the things that have been sacrificed for such a foolish dream. If this is what their era means, I will crush these things without remorse. I hate to say it, but it looks like you picked up trouble again. For one, he's covered in scars. <gasps> Luffy, look! He's waking up! See? This is... Volcanic ash. It's just if it turned out that you were with the Marines, things could get ugly for the both of us. <laughs> because we're pirates, of course. <gasps> Don't make me laugh, boy! I am the Vice Admiral of the New Marines. As you can see, our fleet has surrounded your ship. Do not resist. Attempting to do so will only invite your death. You say don't resist, and all we want to do is fight! Of your crew! I can see it straight ahead! This is the final stage! Let's clear a path! Let's see you survive this! Here we go! You think you can be king of the pirates? You can't even defend your own ship! I'm not giving up until I find one man! Now, before we get started with the movie, I wanted to um, first state that I am not a One Piece expert. I am not caught up on One Piece. I don't really intend to anytime soon, only because that's that's a lot of stuff, yo. I mean, I could probably catch up on the manga pretty recently and then just jump in at whatever point they're in it, on in the anime, but I... It's a, it's a lot of time I don't have time to give, if that makes any sense. 
And I'm pretty sure anybody who's seen One Piece, who's listening to this, all of One Piece, knows what I mean. <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot in there that's great, but there's also a lot in there that's, like, okay, like, interesting, but okay. And so there's going to be some stuff that I gloss over slightly here that may be very important in the series, in the series proper. However, one of the reasons why I do movies with these big, long-running shonen titles is because they are so long-running, and I either choose one of two ways to do it. I either do, like, periodic check-ins. I've done this with stuff like um, My Hero Academia or, to a way lesser extent, Boruto. But, or I, co- or I choose to cover the movies. Because this is something I found with um, Shonen, with Shonen, with Shonen action movies, but Shonen Jump action movies especially, once they have movies, A, they do recap movies all the time. There are a fair number of um, One Piece recap movies, actually. Um, but also, the movies are where they get to, like, get the serious budget and, like, kick out and, like, kick, kick out the jams and go for it. You can see this to be true in um, actually a One Piece movie that I've also covered on this podcast. You can check it out in the feed um, way before this episode called Strong World. Strong World looks fantastic. It's like animated to hell. It's great. It's a fun time. It's got really good opening sequence. Um, and... That's also true of another One Piece movie I've also covered called Film Gold, which I watched Film Gold for a little bit too long and I bought some sunglasses is all I'm going to say about that movie. That movie is incredible. You can go, you can go watch, I think you can still watch Film Gold on Netflix, but um, I'm sure you can find it somewhere streaming, but you can also, you can also listen to that podcast in the feed before this one. Um, But... With that said, let's jump into the kind of shonen movie, kind of shonen jump movie rules. And there are shonen jump movie rules that, until recently, no one was willing to break. And the first shonen jump movie rule is it can't. It can't have meaningful impact on the main story. And what I mean by that is, like, characters from the main story can be involved, like the main character or the main cast or even side cast members, but, like, the character who's usually unique to these kinds of movies is the, vi- is the villain and maybe the, like, And maybe if there's, like, a damsel distress situation, the damsel or, like, some, like, main side character, some, like, specialty side characters they come up with for the movie. And the second... The second... rule is... And this is... This is all extension of the, like, it can't have an effect on the main story. Um rule and that is it can't have a meaningful impact on the world 
And what I mean by that is, like, the world of the show can't change as a result of the movie happening. Because that would affect the main story, and there's a lot, there's a lot of pieces rolling here. And so what that gives the opportunity to do is it gives the opportunity for two things. It gives the opportunity for a real fun what-if scenario, and it also gives the opportunity for the animation staff to like put their stamp on something solidly. But because of those, because of those two opportunities, it is rare that you get much, if any, input from the original creator of the property. So notably, Ichiro Oda had a hand in as a um, producer on this film, meaning like he, they showed him frames and like he said yes, no, yes, no, and he probably contributed something else behind the scenes there. But he, I believe he wrote um, Strong World. And if you look at these two movies, these two movies are pretty good for Shonen, for Shonen Jump movies. For Shonen Jump movies where they couldn't have an effect really on the story at large. Now, I mentioned before that some movies have gone out of their way to actually have an effect on the main world and on, on the main story in sh like Shonen Jump action shows. And that's usually done by they are taking a section of the story and they're setting it aside and saying, this is about to be a movie. So in Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, they used all the prequel chapters that, um, that, uh, what's his face? Um, Gege, that Gege Akatami wrote as like a test, as like a test bed for what Jujutsu Kaisen could be. And they just turned that into a movie. Um, for Demon Hunter, they used a, a small kind of, a, a small but meaningful arc of Demon Hunter to turn into Mugen Train. And that solves the problem of having the original creator involved because the original creator penned what is essentially the storyboard for your movie. And it also solves the problem of it having meaningful world effects on the main story in that it allows those stories to sit in the place where they were but all the all the stuff around it fits together because you're using pieces of the puzzle to make a new picture basically um and so this a fun trick that these movies like to do to make you feel more invested in them is they like to bring up side characters who have a lot to do with each other in the past before you met them. So in I'm gonna use um I'm gonna lean on Strong World a little for this whole episode because it's a great comparison piece because it's a one piece movie and it is it does have um, heavy involvement from Ichiro Oda, and it does it does what this movie does in a really, in some cases, in it for a one to one, in a one to one way. Um, and so, what this movie does it introduces this character named Zed, who everybody just called Admiral V, and he runs this 
not quite pirate crew, but not quite marine crew, called the New Marines. And his goal is to kill all the pirates. Not imprison them, not, like, make them government lapdogs in the, in the idea of, like, the warlords like Don Quixote or Blackbeard or, um, or any of them, really. But he aims to just kill them all. Just dare scourge on the earth, get rid of them. And in the story, he, in the story of One Piece, he is the, like, former military trained military sergeant who trained every marine like every marine bigwig that you see and i'm talking about like marine bigwigs like alkiji marine bigwigs like um the lava guy the light guy um i know i'm being very very vague and that's because once again like i said i'm not a one piece expert but I'm actually, I'm going to find their names literally right now because those two characters at the very least are super important to this story because they, they show you, oh, hey, they know this guy. They respect this guy. And they, they refer to, so, um, so, Borsa, Borsa, Borsalino, Borsalino, the like guy who I think ate like the bling bling fruit. I think it's actually hilariously called. Um, who can like turn himself into light and shoot beams of light. It's the first character you see, and he's fighting. He's fighting Zed at this secret mil at this secret um, marine base that you've never seen before as a viewer. Um, but the entire time. He refers to him as teacher. And that gives you a slight hint as to what's going on in this movie. And it also gives you a slight hint as to what I like best about this movie. And Zed as a character is... He's a great goddamn character. He's like... He's a great temporary addition to the One Piece world. Um, but... You also see Aokiji, the, um, the Ice Admiral who ended up getting his, getting his leg melted off by, um, by, uh, the flame guy who ultimately takes over for him. Um, and you see, actually, let's say his name here is Kuzuan, but I bet his name is, Kuz is Aokiji Kuzuan, um, he, throughout the movie, he demonstrates, like, a real understanding of where Zed's coming from. And the reason why, every, why everybody's kind of like, I kind of get this, like, I kind of get why this guy snapped like a twig and used his big, weird sea prism weapon arm to, like, start killing pirates because... In the movie, they don't say who, but I've read at different points that it's probably, um, it's probably Law, Terraferger Law, who's the, like, culprit who killed, um, Zed's family. And Zed's been attacked majorly by pirates twice. The first time, 
he lost much of his crew. The second time, he lost all but three of his crew and his entire family. And this results in this, like, burning hatred for pirates and the, like, want to be a pirate in Zed. So what he does is he takes his two, like, his two right, his right-hand man and his right-hand woman, um, and he's um, a girl named... Ein and a guy named... Where is he? He's here somewhere. Um, and, like, this, like, ninja guy named... Named Bins. Um, or probably Beans. And they both have... They both have unique devil fruit powers, which for... Which for One Piece is not abnormal to... Um, their movies. They usually assign a... Um, unique devil fruit power to each of the um, to each to a couple of the main villains. So, Ayn's ability is that she makes things age. So she makes and what that means is like in either direction. She can either make you if she touches you, she can make you revert into an old man or revert into a baby. Or if she touches, say, lava, she can accelerate time so the lava, like, hardens. I don't think she has to touch it even. I think it's even less than that. But, um, Bean's ability is that he can make plants grow. Like, so he can almost make beanstalks grow out of anywhere and, like, restrain you or any number of things. But, Zed's main ability is this giant robotic arm that he has built for him after he loses his family. And it's made out of what's called Sea Prism Stone, and Sea Prism Stone acts in the same way that the ocean does to um, Devil Fruit users, meaning that it nullifies their power, and if it touches and, like, if it's touching them, it's like they're in a bowl of water, basically. And it, they are adapt of all their energy and they're helpless. Because the thing that you have to remember about One Piece and about the One Piece world is all of the devil fruit, all the people who have eaten the devil fruit in this world have one thing in common. They can't swim. And not only can they not swim, but they're like, their bodies are rendered useless when they touch water. So the great the great scene that they use to remind you of this um, at a kind of midpoint about a third of the way through this movie where everybody kind of naturally converges on this one island on this like hot springs resort island and that gives you the like the other thing that they did in Strong World they do very well here is that Ichiro Oda must see, must see a lot of fan art, y'all, because he keeps putting fan art depictions of his characters in his movie, in these movies, and it's great. So, like, you get, like, classic pirate Luffy and, like, samurai pirate Nami and, like, all this other stuff in um, this movie. 
And you see... But you also see all of them in, like, resort get-up. Like, you see, um... And so they're, like, all in the hot springs, chilling in the hot springs. And Sanji gets out of the hot springs, and he's like, Why do you weirdo devil fruit users even bother? Because you see, um, Luffy, who's, like, melted like melted rubber over the side of a hot springs tub. You see Chopper, who's, like, barely mo barely has any motion. You just hear groans out of him. And then you see Brooke just, like, actually dead in the hot springs tub. <laughs> with, like, a head hanging over the back. And it's just, like, a great thing. Like, they just want to be in the hot springs, you know? They can probably still... It probably still feels good. Even if they, like, have to be hauled out of it by an attendant. And with the... With the amount of devil fruits seem to be... Um, what's the best word for it? With the amount of devil fruit seem to be suggested by the world of One Piece, there's gotta be like a, there's gotta be some devil fruit where it's like it doesn't matter, like like um the the um fruit chopper ate basically lets him transform into like a human like form and talk to and talk to people talk talk human talk, but um like. Not everybody is, like, a nightmare thing like Luffy's or even Brooks. Like, Brooks basically made him so he's immortal. <laughs> that means there's a bunch of people running around with devil fruit that are not, like, I turn into a phoenix or I can make, or I can break up reality over someone's head. So I'm sure there's the attendants who are like, and, and this is what you do if a devil fruit user wants to use the baths. You bring them to this room, we have people who will drag them out of the bath like after a timer goes off kind of thing. And then at some point, they all kind of notice they're in the same bathhouse as Aokiji, who once again, is a devil fruit user. And he straight up says like, I came in here to wait for you because I figured you guys are lazy enough to come to a hot springs and like chill out for a while. But also, I got in the hot springs, and I just lost time, y'all. I don't know. I could have been here for an hour. I could have been here for three days. Who knows? And it's this great, fun, like, oh, yeah. This is all Devil Fruit users. This is this is their lives now. This sucks. And it's, it's just a great little world-building moment. Like, that plus this, like big, weird, cool new island they came up with for this, um, movie is of, like, this Hot Springs Resort Town is great. That's just, like, hot, weird... Okay, I've never been to the Caribbean. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start with that then. I've never been to the Caribbean. But from what I understand... Like, driving from the airport to your resort in the Caribbean, if you look out the window of your shuttle, you will see just the, the most horrifying humanity the world has to offer. You will see the worst poverty, the most fucked up shit. And, like, the funny part about the island that, the, that this movie had developed for itself is, like, 
it's a vacation spot, but it's like a like really go here and have fun vacation spot. Because why like um because why Luffy and like the people who are like identifiable by their wanted posters, with the exception of Sanji, because they still can't get his poster right, are like chilling in the tubs. Um Nami and Usopp, who's on his wanted poster is wearing a mask, and Robin, who they they can't get her they like don't have a poster for her perfectly yet, I don't think. Um all all decide to like run an information racket out of a strip club. I'm not even j- joking. They all decide, like, okay, how do we get information out of the populace? I don't know. Let's go be, sh- <laughs> let's go be sketchy strippers. And it's 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 just like a good, like, they obscure it just enough with like a like a dance entertainment club. But yo, that's a strip club. That's that's just what that fucking is. It's hilarious. Um, but, so, what Zed's plan is, is actually, like, uh, Zed is a logical man, if nothing else. He said, he, he says at some point, like, look, I know the pirates aren't going away. Like, I know that's how that goes. But I also know that the pirates need to go away. They'll keep killing people's families and also people. So I'm going to take away the thing that causes pirates. That is the ocean. <laughs> AKA the world. And I'm going to use these special things called dino stones to do it. And there's some sketchiness about the One Piece world here. And it's done intentionally and I would imagine that Oda is straight up um is straight up just like he, he has this in his head and he understands it all himself but he doesn't really need his reader to understand it so he never explains it but like the one piece world has like a history that nobody knows and part of robin's deal is that like she's looking for that history basically and way back when, there used to be these, like, ancient weapons that people used to use. And I don't know if we've seen any in the One Piece show. I've, I've never, I haven't read a lick of the manga, so I have no idea of if we've seen one in the manga. But the idea is that these things were, like, capable of, like, ending whole countries kind of thing. And in... The lore of the movie, the these dino stones, which are essentially like super radioactive dinosaur eggs, are like a like tiny, tiny, tiny little nuclear bombs that can just like generate huge mushroom cloud level explosions when exposed to oxygen. So what that ends up doing is he gets a bunch of these things from the military because, of course, of course, Marines are, like, holding them hostage, basically. Um, because... 
the thing that the thing is that the One Piece universe really wants you to understand is that the Marines are like super strong, and in some cases they are super smart people. But as an organization, they are fucking morons. Like, what's his name? The the Buddha guy. I forget the Buddha guy's name. Um, I think his name is like General Sen Senjo Gahara, the guy who runs the the Marines. It's like a smart dude, but he's not. He's not street smart, and he's essentially like fighting against like fighting against a bunch of like armed water hooligans, for lack of a better term, and he just doesn't doesn't read into things well, and seems awfully surprised like. When he captures Ace, and they're gonna execute Ace, he's, like, prepared for Whitebeard to show up, but, like, he's not really prepared. It's, it's bad, yo. And he's also not... He also, like, didn't ask his right-hand man, like, hey, you know Ace. Is Luffy gonna come get this guy? Do I need to be worried about Luffy? <laughs> yes, also, we should... Set up a trap for Luffy. But. The. Like. Long and short of it is like. Why are you holding this stuff in the way that people can get to it? Why are you. Why are you doing this? Dumbasses. So Zed gets the stuff. He gets into a bunch of like. He gets into like the. Requisite amounts of fight with Luffy along the way. But the thing that you're constantly reminded of for this entire film is Zed was the military's original teacher. And so, like, whenever he encounters another member of the military, be it um, the light guy or um, Aokiji or even, even the magma guy, he's just, like, he knows their deal. They're not... They're not ultra if effective against him head on head because like he taught them how to fight. And in many cases, he taught them how to fight using their devil fruits. So like he just knows their stick. And <laughs> he is way more prepared for them than they are for him, especially since he's just like they show him they show him early in his in like earlier in his military career. And he's just like, he's still a ripped, a ripped nightmare motherfucker. And it's, it's like, it's wild. The whole thing is wild. And so, there starts to be this kind of like rift in between. First off, there is a rift between, there is now a difference at this point, story-wise between Aokiji and the military. When you first in encounter Aokiji, he is one of the big generals for the military. Him, um... Kuzuan, the light guy, and the magma guy are all on the... Borsalino, 
the magma guy and um and and um the ice guy are all they're all like three of the big generals for the military at some point in the show I'm not sure when because once again I'm not caught up with one piece proper the magma guy and Kuzan get in a fight Kuzan loses loses legs makes himself a new ice leg it's like yep I'm done here Military seems fucked. I had my suspicions, but the military is fucked. And he just, like, leaves, gets on his bike, and he goes about the world. And here, what he's trying to do is he's trying to avoid Zed's death. Zed being killed. Because he knows what Zed did will warrant execution by the military because that's how the military ro- because that's how the marines roll they're not they, they are not a understanding organization is what I will say um and he approaches Luffy and he says can you like can you guys course correct this please the guy does, the guy has done a lot of good He's experienced a lot of hardships. He doesn't deserve to die. And... But he needs to be stopped somehow. And I'd rather you stop him than the mil- than the Marines stop him. Because you will stop him like in an honorable, meaningful way. And the Marines are just going to kill him. They're just going to... Stone cold kill him. And like that's not cool. He trained 95% of us. It's not cool. And so that adds this that adds this dimension to this villain of this of film Z that isn't there sometimes in um in shonen movies, in in shonen jump movies, rather, in like that's usually reserved for like the heroine character or like the populace being preyed on or something like that. It's very rare, in my experience at least, that it's probably not rare, but it's rare from what I've seen and what I can remember. Um, I should really just say, but from what I can remember, because from what I've seen. It could be entirely common. Um, but it's very... From what I've seen, I don't remember a whole lot of shonen villains being given like a... Shonen movie... Shonen act... Shonen jump movie villain. Being given a really deep... Like, huma- humanity in a way that is like, oh... The military fucked this guy's life up. Like... If he was a normal person living on an island, yeah, an Arlong or a Buggy might have still showed up and, like, been a terror. But for the most part, he would have been okay. But in the case of Zed, he became a military man. And, like, over time... 
his service in the military resulted in him having his like his just his sanity, his humanity, his like care for himself just chipped away piece after piece after piece. And what you're left with by this movie is a guy who wants who like wants the world of pirates gone with good reason. And all throughout the movie, he, until the very last moments of his life and the film, he says to Luffy, "Like, you, you think that, like, you're doing the right thing, but how many people have you hurt in your journey?" And once Luffy comes at him and says, "Like, not that many, bro. <laughs> like, we ain't the assholes here." I, and he said, "Like." Other pirates may do these things. You know, other... Like, we're not out to hurt people. I'm out to become the Pirate King. I'm out to find... The One Piece and become King of the Pirates. And... I'm doing it because I thought it would be fun. Because I thought it would be an adventure. I thought I would be able to make friends. And I've done that. And that's why I keep... And he says that's why I keep going and you see in Luffy's like adventures if you've seen any of One Piece you see that like Luffy's the hero of the story there are tons of pirates in the world of One Piece who are the monsters that Zed describes or who were the monsters that Zed describes if the rumors are true that if the stories are true that Law killed his entire family and crew, Law, that would make sense. Law would be a monster. You know, they... Don Flamingo, for many, many years in One Piece, was this looming, big evil bad guy. But... Here's the other thing about One Piece, and here's... Here's the thing that this movie really says about the One Piece world. is like, the other monsters are the Marines. The Marines, the, the, the military that is doing anything it can to hunt down and capture and detain and kill, in many cases, pirates. The military that creates a scenario in which you can make your life you can make your of uh, you can make a dynastic amount of wealth by catching one person if you catch two holy shit you you're set you're set nine times over for the rest of your life and the And you see that in the insane bounty, then like the, the the running joke of one of the One Piece crew is they all like compete with each other on how high their bounties go, especially Sanji and Zoro. Like Sanji and Zoro are constantly like, Well, I'm worth sixty six thousand sixty six billion and the other one's like, Oh, I'm worth sixty seven, motherfucker. Nice try next time. Next time we fuck something up. 
make sure you knock that extra head and maybe you'll get maybe you'll get maybe you'll maybe you'll get on my level bro but the the thing that strong world did was it showed this like it showed this old guard of pirate that like re it like reintroduced for a for a misadventure this old guard like an old monster from the past the thing that film V does is it reintroduces the kind of monster that military service can make when nothing is done for the person who has served who has maybe lost god knows what especially in a scenario in which like military service is not separated from family life and so like in in the war in iraq people's families were not necessarily lost but people's husbands people's wives people's significant others people's children were lost to this war but whole families were usually not wiped off the map by war in modern warfare and that's because you enlist you go over and you come back or you don't and here the thing that the thing that Oda's version of a military organization proposes is that like the military takes over your life so fully that you if you're signed up your whole family is signed up in a real way in a, like a way where like your wife and kids could be in a line of fire and you and the military and the marines in this world are not good people they are shitheads they're shitheads from like episode three of the one piece series one of the one of uh, a not insignificant side character is a child of this like lockjawed motherfucker who is like illegally taxing an entire town and fucking up their whole day and lives you know the military allowed Arlong to exist in the East Blue it allowed Buggy to exist in the East Blue they are not good people they are barely even doing what they are charged with doing they are saying they're like protecting people from like the big the big evils but the bottom line is the big evils are also on their payroll and as a result of like being on their payroll are largely ignored when they like disappear a boat full of people or disappear an entire country or god knows fucking what and the when you have a scenario like that when you have a system like that for whatever reason that system exists you're going to have like you're going to have collateral damage in a way that you wouldn't otherwise and what i mean by that is you're going to have 
damage to people who wouldn't... You're going to have, like, consequences fall on people who shouldn't have those consequences. It, for the most part, what Admiral Zed did was he trained... Um, was he trained members of the military? He was not. It was not like he was going out there and he was cracking skulls before, um, before this movie arises. It was at much before this movie starts, actually, because they say he's been like roaming around for a while. But um, before then, he was really the person like. Being like, okay, if somebody comes at you, you defend yourself. Or if somebody, like, is threatening something, somebody else, this is how you save that person. He was a martial arts teacher for all intents and purposes. He was not a active combatant. And he was a, he was a commander. He was someone who was trying, who was honestly, like, took the took the oaths and tried to do right. But because the scenario he was dropped into was rotten, he couldn't... He couldn't. And so he swings all the way to an actually logical extreme, an extreme that is illogical, but, like, logical in its, like... It, if he got rid of the oceans, there would be no pirates. Makes sense. Look, one plus one equals two there. But a real fucked up two, but two there. And you hear a bunch of seasoned military um, bigwigs say, like, he's not wrong. Like, the world would end, but he's not wrong. And in that way, this movie... Zed as a character has a little bit of a Coco Heckmachiar vibe from um, Jormungand, which if you've never seen Jormungand, A, I encourage you to watch it. Um, B, you can listen to the Jormungand episode I did on this podcast in the feed before this episode, but um, somewhere before this episode a while back. But the in Jormungan, Coco comes up with this like end all be all solution that would solve the problem she's trying to solve, but would result in a lot of collateral damage and death. Necessarily because of the scale of what she's talking about, in the same way that Zed's ultimate end would cause collateral damage and death necessarily but it's just by the end of the movie he realizes that like there is still hope there are still people who are like there are pirates who are not monsters and if I'm lucky those ones will be the ones who win because uh, there don't there don't need to be any more people like me in the world. There don't need to be any more people who are so consumed 
by grief and vengeance and anger that they try to break the world simply to ensure that that grief and anger don't ever come to anyone else. And it it ends up being kind of a beautiful end for that for that character, even if it is like, oh, we gotta kill this guy because he can't make it through to the main story. That would that would break the rule. But on that note, if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday and at this point every other Sunday. The last Sunday edition was all about, I believe, um, something for everyone. And it was all about the range of stuff that comes out in the anime, like, medium. Um, But you can definitely go check that out on the feed wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. But um, on that note, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. I will talk to you next, this coming Sunday. One Piece Information. 最新映画 One Piece Film Z では超豪華ゲストが声優として参加。Z の部下ビンズ役を演じるのは香川照之さん。大興奮のバトルをぜひお楽しみください。海賊風情が。おさまさん。この映画のチケットを5組10名様にプレゼント。